If you have your Bible, we're going to take a very familiar passage today, Romans 12, 1 and 2, if you'll turn to that. We're going to talk today about wonderful worship, and uh, of hope, we hope, of course, that that's what it'll always be for each one of us as we gather together in his name. Let's look at the word. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Well, we've come today to worship. Uh, Every Sunday we gather together, we sing the great hymns of the faith, we pray together, We look at his word, we study it for a while, we commune with God, and these are special moments. God has really, really blessed us. I don't know if you look down the hall this morning, but uh, all the way around there now is open, and it's real pretty, and God has blessed us. We have uh, paid off the first year of bonds, and uh, we're thankful for that, and Things are just going well. I don't know if you noticed, but there was a bulldozer or something in there knocking down that building next door. When they get that all down, that's going to be a parking lot, and we're going to have some places to go and park, so that'll be wonderful. Uh, It seems like the Lord is just really blessing us. We're thankful for that. We're thankful for the opportunity that we come today to worship Him. Worship is one of the ingredients in every fabric of our personhood. Somehow humans know they ought to worship. I believe there are a lot of frustrated Americans today that want to do something related to God, but they're not just real sure what. Some people uh, get involved in parachurch organizations. Some people read semi-religious books. Some people watch reruns of Touched by an Angel. Uh, Some people go to religious movies. You know, this year, there were about three of those kind of movies that came out that were very, very popular, did very well at the box office, and had a strong message for Jesus. I'm thankful uh, for each of them. Many people want to be in touch with God. But so many people don't know exactly, well, let's see, what's the first thing I do? What's the second thing I do? They want to sort of have the blueprint right in front of them. So many fail to realize that the Lord is watching and loving us all the time. He's already with us. He was in this room before we got here. He'll be in this room after we leave. He loves us. He watches us. He stands with us. Every hour of every day. I heard about a church in St. Louis that had a Sunday in recent years that was just so spectacular. Everybody couldn't believe how great it was. It was just one of those services that you would remember all of your life. It was really, really special what happened. Everyone's heart was touched. It was one of those powerful services that you remember all your life. The next Wednesday night on prayer meeting night, The church came together, and the pastor called on a lady uh, to pray. And the dear sister said this, Lord, 
It was a wonderful service last Sunday. It was tremendous. It was spiritual. It was overwhelming. It was glorious. It was, and she kept trying to think of the right word, it was this, it was that. Lord, you just should have been here. Well, he was there, and he's here this morning with us, and of course, that's wonderful. That's what leads to wonderful worship. Paul talked about true spiritual worship in our text today. The King James Version says that we are called to reasonable service. Now, the true meaning is spiritual worship. We're not talking about being reasonable in the sense of logic, nor is it service in the sense of a particular activity. Paul here is speaking about spiritual worship. As the great apostle talks about spiritual worship, he, of course, uses principles that they could understand and use in the first century, and also the same principles that we can use in our service this morning, in services all around the world today, as our missionaries gather with those folks out in the wilds of the jungle and on mountaintops and in various places, this is a principle that works in every generation, that we come together with bowed heart before a living Lord and we give our best to Him. If you find in the first century uh, a text that told about what all they did, we know this for sure. Uh, they were accustomed to hearing commands to worship. Do you remember Moses as he came down from Mount Sinai? He had the law with him, and the law said uh, that you are demanded to worship. The scribes and the Pharisees in Jesus' day, they demanded that all the people gather together and worship. Paul does not order us to worship in our text today. He invites us to worship. Many, many years ago, the prophets belted out their warning. They said basically, worship or else. Well, Paul doesn't bludgeon our personhood. There is a note of freedom of will in what he says. Paul says, I appeal to you. I beseech you by the mercies of God. One might ask, well, what is the, the basis for that? It's the basis of, of that mercy that he speaks of in the text. The mercy of God that is all around us. God's mercy sweeps over us like the proverbial tidal wave that just comes and is all around us, has great power. And the mercy of God it is just showered down upon us. God has been so good to every one of us that are here today. Years ago, I worked at a vacation Bible school at a place called the Youth Development Center. It was a place in Atlanta where they took kids that were misbehaving a lot, and uh, they were kind of under lock and key. And the church that I was serving then, we went out to one a week during the year and had vacation Bible school with them. And we would try and teach them a few things and help them in their spiritual development. 
There was a little boy in our group named Ronaldo. I will never forget that little boy. Uh, each uh, night, uh, one of the things that we did at Vacation Bible School was we tried to get them to learn one memory verse each night. I noticed that Ronaldo was having a real hard time doing that. And so I kind of slipped around and sat down beside him. And as I tried to help him individually, I realized that there were just a few words in our memory verse that he could read. He couldn't hardly read at all. And so I said, well, now let's go over this together. And I said it real slow, and I said, now you repeat after me. And we went through that about 50 times. And that boy could not get more than six words in order to save him. I mean, he just, he just couldn't do it. Ronaldo was either not very bright or he had a learning disability. It was one or the other. I have thought about that uh, many times over the years. Uh, he was such a sweet little kid, you could never forget him. I thought again and again that the Lord must wonder if many of us are not very bright or if we have uh, learning disabilities because he has invited us to worship and a whole lot of Americans have not responded to that. He has asked us to focus our attention on him, on his word, in his sanctuary, to come together and to worship Almighty God. Today, God asks us to present ourselves as a living sacrifice. He doesn't want a dead sacrifice. He doesn't want a dead body. The old idea of the body being evil is out of uh, Greek philosophy. That is certainly not the, the Bible teaching. Our body was created by God, and the Lord wants us to offer our body, mind, and soul as a living sacrifice. He wants each one of us to do that every day. He wants that body, mind, and soul to worship Him as we gather together. The scripture goes on to say that we should not be conformed to this world. We don't want to be just like all the stuff that's going on in our day. Paul says literally, don't let this present age with its system of values cram you into its mold. One thing that was obvious at that youth development center where we worked was that the boys wanted to impress you with how tough they were. Uh, they, they would talk about themselves and, you know, say what they could do and what they had done and all of that. It was all to impress everybody that was listening that they were really, really tough. Every night that week when we went there, some of them were over in this little group over here talking about somebody that they were going to beat up. I mean, every night it was somebody different. And I thought, well, I don't know what goes on during the day here, but it doesn't sound good. Uh, I mean, they talked about that all the time. One night, we asked the boys to tell uh, how come they were there. And so we kind of went down the line. Each one of them tried to make it sound so bad. You know, they would say, well, I almost killed this guy. You know, they would tell us about how gory that was. And then another would say, I, 
I beat this guy, he almost died. I think he was taking his last breath. You know, they tell all these stories about how tough they were. Well, Ronaldo, we had gotten to know him by the end of the week. As we were going through, and they were all telling those stories, Ronaldo uh, didn't uh, buy into what all they were saying, that kind of bragging. He dropped his guard a little bit, and he said this, I was bad, but now I'm sure about Jesus. And you know what? The, all the people that were workers from the church, we looked at each other, and we all kind of smiled and nodded our heads, and we all said to ourselves, that uh, word right there made all the work that we've done all week worth it. I'm sure about Jesus. That statement was powerful. This world is trying to cram us into the mold of ungodliness. Uh, it's, it's just happening all around us. A lot of people act like they are in a race to see who can be the most ungodly first. You know, these uh, teenagers that uh, are singers and whatnot, they get in that and it doesn't seem like they can get out of it. And they, you know, they go from a sweet little girl to, uh, I won't say the word, uh, overnight. You know, when they turn 17 or 18 or whatever it is, uh, they, they turn the wrong way. Because of worship. We ought to be in another kind of race. We ought to be trying with all of our hearts to dedicate ourselves to Jesus just as soon as we possibly can. We as Christians should not be conformed to this world, but changed, changed to be like Jesus. We need a metamorphosis in our own life to change daily to be more and more like him. All of you have seen an old, dirty caterpillar easing along in the muck of the world. Uh, they do that every year. The caterpillar is very happy to be in the mire, in the dirt, in the slime. But finally, the caterpillars, we don't know how they know this, but finally, they attach themselves to something solid. And they go into their cocoon stage. And then when that spring sun begins to beat down, there emerges new life. Those beautiful new wings spread out. And suddenly there is a new life form right before us. It's beautiful. It's graceful. It's not in the muck of this world, but it's soaring graceful through the air. There has been a metamorphosis, a change in their life. Friends, if our lives have been lived in the muck of this world, in the sin of this world, if you have been crawling through that kind of an existence for years, attach yourself to something solid. Attach yourself to the Word of God, to the people of God, to the church of God. Join yourself to Jesus, to His will and His way for your life. 
Let the light of his word shine on you as you worship him and day by day as he changes you. Don't be conformed to this world, but be willing to change. Let a metamorphosis take place and by every day, by every step, move in a Godward direction. You say, well, pastor, I want to do that. But what's the first step? What's the second step? I want to kind of know what I'm getting into. What, what are the steps that I'm supposed to take? Paul says, first of all, we need a renewal of our minds. You know God gave us a mind as well as a heart. God says something to do with that part of your anatomy above your ears. Uh, right now, the Lord wants you to focus your mind on Jesus. Focus. When we get our heads screwed on right spiritually, chances are our hearts will be right and vice versa. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Worship leads us to that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Worship leads us to that. The will of God is not for you to exist in the muck that's all around us today. The will for you is to be beautiful and fulfilled and eternally related to the Lord Jesus. Well, what is the will of God for you this morning? As you have communed with him during this hour as we worship together, what has our Heavenly Father impressed upon you? During the hymns, what did the Lord say to you? During the prayers, what did the Lord say to you? During the exposition of his word, what did the Lord say to you? Did he express to you and urge you to give your heart and mind and soul to him? Did he impress upon you your need to join with his family? Did he impress you to renew your mind? Every one of us in the house today, we need to renew our minds every day and to move in a Godward direction. Our scripture says, I beseech you therefore, by the mercies of God, that you present yourself as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Years ago in London, there was a large gathering of very important people. They all went to a concert. It was pretty pricey. And so not everybody could go, but there were a lot of people there because it had been advertised a lot and, and it was special. There was a lady that was going to play the piano and sing and she had a good reputation and so the place was packed. Also in the house was a famous preacher named Cesar Milan. A young lady played and sang that day and the audience was thrilled. I mean, she was terrific. After the concert was over, the preacher approached this gifted musician and said, I thought as I listened to you tonight how tremendously 
the cause of Christ would be benefited if your talents were dedicated to his cause. And the preacher continued. He said, you know, you are no different than a drunkard in the gutter or a harlot on the street. But I want you to know that the blood of Jesus can cleanse you from all of your sin. The woman snapped back at him and cut him off and was so angry, she turned and walked away and walked clear out of the room. But that night, the young woman could not go to sleep. She just couldn't do it. The face of the preacher appeared before her in her mind, and his words came again and again and again to her heart. Finally, at 2 o'clock in the morning, she got up, got out of bed, walked over to her favorite chair, got out a pencil and a paper, and with tears running down her cheeks, Charlotte Elliott wrote a very famous poem, one that we're going to sing in about one minute. Just as I am, without one plea, but that thy blood, was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. We're going to sing that this morning. As we sing it, we're hoping and praying that God would touch the heart of somebody in this wonderful worship experience, that you would make a decision for Christ to be your Savior and your Lord, or that you would come and join with our church and serve him through the auspices of this fellowship. If the Lord leads, you just slip out, come forward, and take a stand for him who died for you. I'll be standing down here at the front waiting on you to come. Let's stand together as we sing.